Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Today is going to look a little different, so buckle in. Uh, Still have an opening thought. We're going to be in Psalm 78, if you want to get there. Psalm 78. Um, But the talk's going to be a little different. Opening thought. I actually shared an opening thought like this, like three or four weeks ago. Remember when the temperature went from like 35 in that one weekend, it went down to minus eight on a Sunday morning? How many of you came to church that Sunday morning? None of you. We canceled. (laughs) It was was minus eight degrees. But anyway, that weekend, uh, I did a talk uh, on Saturday about fighting for the next generation. And so here's some thoughts that came about in that talk early on. Anyways, the reality of there's evidence in the animal kingdom that they will sacrifice so that their species will continue. One example was penguins who, the male penguin will uh, go without eating for up to 65 days and protect that egg in temperatures getting as low as minus 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is pretty chilly. That's not wind chill. That's like degree, right? He'll do all that in hopes that that egg will survive. Other things in creation, salmon, with the last energy that they have, will do the whole swimming upstream. And as they do that, even though they're physically dying, they'll use their last energy to get all the way up there and spawn so that they're, right? So that the babies can be born and stuff. Do you want to hear a weird one? Do you want to hear a weird one? All right. I didn't hear any yes, so... The rules are I have to wait until at least somebody says yes. Octopus. Some evidence, there's some, just sketchy, that the female octopus, because octopi have some tendency to cannibalize their own kind, when she, when her eggs are about to hatch, thank you, I may need help, she will actually do harm to herself to speed her death, maybe, so that she won't be there and eat her own children. They will, they've observed uh, the female octopi beating themselves against a rock or damaging their own self. You know because eating your own kids is bad. (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming to church. Why don't you stand? (laughs) Don't eat your kids. All right. That's the lesson for the day. No. (laughs) Uh, But, so transfer that to like us, (laughs) sort of, kind of. We'll do a lot for the sake of the next generation. Parents, you know this. We will make sacrifices because we want their life to be successful. We want them to make it. Uh, it's not just a parent thing, you know, aunts, uncles, 
By the way, there's something I think many times within, within even young generations to fight for their own generation kind of a thing. My wife and I are empty nesters, and which people would talk about, oh, as empty nesters, we're just glad they're gone. Like, but you know what we do a bunch when we're sitting around talking? We're still talking about and caring about our kids and hoping they're doing well and praying for it, right? It's this thing. It's also in the church. The church absolutely cares for the upcoming generations. It's why we do a lot of things at our church. We have great children's ministry staff. We put extra energy and money into that. It's why we as a church have staffing and uh, put a lot of energy into young adults. Are there any young, young adults in the room? It's because, no, there's none. I thought maybe typically a young adult will go, woo! Thanks, we got one. So you need to pray for us because we're not doing well at young adults apparently. There was a bunch of them in the early service. Uh, so the idea that next generation is really, 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 really important, that's going to come up regularly in our talk today. Uh, just a side note on the talk today, it's been eight years since we did more of like an in-house family meeting and talked about expanding our building, and so it's been a while, hope you enjoyed it, but we're going to have one of those kind of meetings uh, this morning. If you're new here at the church, uh, you might think, well, this is irrelevant to me, and it may be, uh, but also I would encourage you to pay attention, uh, not because at the end of this you might give financially to help us, but in the midst of this, you'll get to know the heart of our church as you listen to this. So it may still be helpful that you're here. So here's the plan. Myself and Pastor Steve, we're going to talk through a tweaked building expansion plan. We've presented this to dozens and dozens and dozens of people, and every time we do it, then we, go, then we go back and we think, okay, what did we learn? And we ask for feedback. So there'll be some information here that's different than even uh, a week ago as we keep tweaking this, try to make it great. Uh, we're going to make room for questions in the chapel after church, and at the end of this talk, we're going to ask you to consider partnering with us financially. Not today. We're not going to ask for a pledge today, but for you to pray and consider how you might be helpful. So title of the talk is Next Gen, Making Space for Today and Tomorrow. Let me pray. We'll get into this. God, um, I pray a blessing on all these people. For those who are like brand new, they're just checking out the church. Give them extra grace as they, uh, you know, endure a talk like this. Um, but also give them eyes to see, who knows, that, that they might uh, someday be like part of our church family. For those who've already heard this presentation, uh, bless them. For those that are new, help us, help me and Steve to communicate as best we can what we believe is your heart to uh, make room for people and especially pay attention to the next generation stuff. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 78, uh, we'll focus mostly in verse four, but it says, my people... Hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. And verse 4 says, we will not hide them from their descendants, 
this is the part I'd emphasize, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. It's part of our responsibility. We're in a unique place as a church because right now the next generation is responding wonderfully to the activity of God, the deeds of the Lord that they're hearing about. They're engaging in a wonderful way. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on around the church in case you don't know. The young adults, which meet every Tuesday here at the church, they've almost doubled in size over the last year. This last Tuesday evening, there were 92 young adults gathering, which why the... Um, that was so much fun. Okay. All in the chapel. 92 meeting in the chapel, which is a wonderful thing. By the way, 92, that's bigger than most churches are in America. All right? That's just the young adults meeting there. We got some great stuff going on uh, with Vineyard Student Ministries. On Wednesdays, when they separate to do their small groups, which is super important, in middle school and high school, to have smaller groups of people where you can discuss, get to know each other. They use every classroom in the building, plus the prayer room, plus the portable that we added to make room for the middle school core class and for groups, plus the staff conference room. So that's good. And it's, woo, okay. The third, fourth, and fifth graders, we started Connexus. Uh, some uh, a couple a few years ago, and the response from the third, fourth, and fifth graders is amazing. Well, so any given uh, uh, period where we'll kick off this class, I think it's a ten-week class. They'll have between twenty-five and thirty of these kids show up to learn about Jesus intentionally. We've been doing that twice a year, and we're moving that, I believe, to three times a year. That's a wonderful thing. We've got a school of ministry at the church. Uh, and by the way, we'll, there's 19 in the School of Ministry. Here's a picture of the School of Ministry. Most of them are under 30. In fact, if you look at the pictures, the, the, the bulk of them are under 30, which is a, um, another tell, if you will, of what God's doing around the church. We have 603 Team Vineyard members, and the average age of our Team Vineyard members has dropped 10 years in the last year. Isn't that significant? And that's not because us oldies are dying. <laughs> Someone's like, oh yeah, that's because we're just, no. That's not the reason. Um, another just observation, weekends are getting regularly uncomfortable. Uh... Not, not just in the auditorium. We're doing okay-ish in the auditorium, but in the atrium. If you go back in the children's ministry area, uh, one person des described it as it's like an amusement park, but not like in the, because of how many people are in there. One of the volunteers, I do want to say this. If you volunteer in the children's ministry, thank you. We appreciate you. One of the volunteers... She wasn't, she wasn't complaining, but uh, just this last week, we brought up children's ministry, uh, and she said, it was crazy back there. This is what is crazy. 
a lot going on, so many good things. Listen, likely we could adjust and make room for all the things I just talked about, except at the same time, just the adult ministry is growing. Classes where we used to have one or two classes in a quarter, now there's an appetite for three, four, five classes, same, uh, same night classes, and classes where we used to have 18 or maybe 24 adults in a class. It's not unusual to have 60 adults sign up for one of our classes. All that stuff, these are wonderful things, and they're creating what we call in ministry pinch points. And here that for team meetings where we want to bring a team together and meet, while there's also classes or worship ministries happening, and we're trying to, okay, how do we find spaces for teams to get together? Let's go ahead and put that back up on the screen. Team meetings, children and adult classes, both we're offering some new group. Uh, classes where adults with their kids, little kids can come and meet at the church because the size and it's not working at home, um, and especially large classrooms. Those are pinch points around the church. So uh, as I finish up this section, in good conscience, we have to do something. Um, not just going to sit around and not make room for people. Uh, because people matter to God. And so now we're going to move on. Pastor Steve's going to come up, and he's going to share some of the plans to build. Will you please welcome Pastor Steve? All right, I get to share uh, some fun stuff. Pictures and numbers is what we're going to share. Uh, I, I want to share the blueprint of what we're dreaming about, what we've been designing. And so this is a blueprint of... The proposed expansion. Some of you aren't super familiar with reading a blueprint or where we are, so let me just orient us to this. The bottom center are the front doors of the atrium, the atrium, and then that red box that just appeared is that's where you're sitting today. Does everybody know where we're at now? Yes? So I want to focus on some of the uh, new construction and some of the renovation that we're uh, dreaming about. The first is the atrium. So if you see the atrium, you might notice that one major component has been removed from the atrium, and that's the chapel. So we will be removing the chapel and opening up the atrium. We love to build community here at the Vineyard, and we're realizing that especially during this service, 1130 service, some of our bigger events, the atrium can get really full. And so opening that up for more community space is going to be important. Now, we're going to focus on the south side of the building. Uh, the lower south side is our existing structure, and the upper south side, we're going to zoom in. The technical folks are great. This is primarily the new construction, and so I want to walk through each component. The first area is a brand new chapel. That chapel will seat 200 in about 244 chairs. It's considerably larger than our existing chapel. I was in Tuesday night with the young adults when we had 92. It was full. And so this gives adequate space for young adults, young adult growth, student ministries, and some of the events that we do uh, th that we are having to default to this room, which is just too big, we can now do in the chapel. And so that's a great uh, new space. Moving to the left, there's a new storage corridor. Who's excited about storage? 
we're all excited about storage, right? So uh, adequate storage. And then we'll move with, there's five new classrooms. Now those five classrooms uh, will be about the size of our existing room five if you've been down the south hallway. And so they're adequately sized. There's even one classroom that's quite a bit larger. And so we can host uh, children's ministry, additional kids on the weekend, as well as during the week, maybe groups and uh, some of our spiritual development activities there. So really nice space for additional classrooms. We will be doing a little renovation in our existing South Hall, and so I want to highlight two places. The first is bathrooms. We're going to be adding bathrooms. How exciting! Uh, so we're adding some bathrooms because we know uh, on the weekend especially, it can, bathrooms can, there's people standing in line sometimes for bathrooms, so pay attention to that. And then also one other area, this little area here, would be a new nursing mother's room. We have, uh, we're, exp <laughs> we're experiencing sort of a, a baby boom here at the vineyard, which is exciting, and to, uh, to help out the nursing moms, we want to make an adequate space for them. So that's the blueprint. Here's a few renderings of what the atrium might look like when you walk in the front door. We'll have furniture, this, right? This is just sort of an open view of how it should look. And then uh, we'll step further into the atrium. You see the main auditorium that we're in on the right and children's ministry and the chapel on the left. So that's sort of the uh, pictures of what the new construction might look like. We're still making tweaks. Uh, might adjust from what you've seen, but it's, it's pretty close. So usually when we look at those, the next question that I get is, well, if we started that, how long would it take to do? And so I just want to give you a peek into the process we've been on, and then maybe a construction timeline. So this is a, a proposed timeline. We followed a process like this in our previous expansions, and this process works really good. Let me walk you through it, because some things are already checked off. We started this uh, in the fall. We had the designs drawn up. They were quite a bit different than they are today, and we took them in front of the directors of the church, the, the leaders on staff, and we proposed, hey, what does this look like? We asked them to do two things. Give us feedback, and then after that, would you participate financially into this early? And so we did the directors, and then we went to the financial board, went to the full staff, and then we went to uh, about 70 other folks that we just invited early to give us feedback. We, we really want to do this right, get feedback. So we invited those folks in and invited them to, for feedback and to financially participate. Last weekend, we had Team Vineyard, uh, all our members, and then, which brings us to this weekend. It's Vision Weekend. It's sort of the kickoff of the full program. Now, God willing, if things go well, uh, we would anticipate signing a contract, a construction contract in February. God willing, uh, construction could start in April. And then if things go really well, we could actually be in and using new classrooms by the end of the year. Now, maybe some of the atrium cleanup will take till January, but the, the good news is the partner that we've chosen in construction, they've done a, a bunch of churches in the past. They realize that we can't shut down for construction, and so they've got a good plan to keep us up and working. So that's the proposed timeline. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, that's kind of exciting. Now, normally after someone asks, so what's the timeline, they'll ask this next question, so how much does it cost? So let me give you a summary of uh, the costs of a project like this. 
Many of you will immediately go to the bottom right, (laughs) and you'll see that grand total of $3.35 million. It's a lot of money. And it's just the state of construction today, but let me walk you through some details. That top number of $2.5 million, that's the core construction cost. That's what it costs to do the new building, to do the renovation, and then we're adding furniture, technology, some network equipment, more furniture, fixtures. Notice that line item that says parking. Parking. Do you know, you probably know better than anybody, it's some of our larger services, some of our larger events, parking can be a little challenging. And so we'll be adding uh, parking to allow for additional cars, maybe some better flow, so we've carved out some money there. And then I want you to look down a few lines. Right before the grand total, it says 10% outside the walls. Do you see that? No one sees that. Okay, a few of you. 10% outside the walls. Here's what we do at the Vineyard. Whenever we raise funds for a building expansion, we take 10% of whatever comes in, and we take that 10% and we move it outside the walls of the Vineyard. We give back to either the local community or things or, uh, happening around the region, around the world. So it's not all about us. And so that, uh, in summary, I want to just highlight, 3.35 million estimated build cost. Now the good news is, this next line, you see that vineyard savings allocation, $2 million? Because of your faithful generosity and because of the staff who does a phenomenal job keeping expenses in check, we have up to $2 million of savings. It's not our full savings, but it's a lot of it that we can direct towards this project already. Which means the estimated remaining funds to raise is $1.35 million, which is great. So can we, the question is, can we raise $1.35 million in a year? Now, when we ask ourselves this question, there's tools out there that organizations, other churches and places use to answer the question, can we actually raise that based on our size, based on the project design? And one of the tools that people uh, use is this. It's, a, it's called a chart of giving. And it helps us evaluate, can we actually raise this in a year? And what it would indicate when we look at the project size is to get to $1.3 million, we'll need one person to give $150,000 towards the project. And then we'll all be their friend. <laughs> right? And then... Generally, you have two people give 50 and four give 35, all the way down to 175 people generally would contribute to this $1,000 over the year. So you'd have typically 360 people, and that's how you would get $1.35 million. And so we ran this through the system. This is what it shows. Now, a couple of things about this. Uh, First, based on our size, we think that this is an adequate representation of who the vineyard is. We think this is doable. Second, we also realize that not everyone can give that top amount, right? Some of you might look at another amount and go, that's like, that's what I'm going to, I could do that. And then we also realize that some people, when they look at that, they're like, I could probably give $500. Just a note, every gift is important. And we're not looking for equal giving, we're looking for equal sacrifice. 
Someone's sacrifice of $500 in a year might be the same sacrifice to them as someone who gave $35,000. And how we get to $1.3 million as a family is if we all sacrifice equally, not give equally. Does that make sense? And so based on that, based on these numbers, we believe that this is doable so far. Now, uh, remember earlier when I said that we've invited some people early to give us feedback and to participate early financially? I want to give you an update on where we are. So commitment so far, 70 households have already pledged $826,987. That is a huge commitment, and they've already given 49% of that. We have that money already in hand. That's towards the 1.35 million I talked. So that is a great start into the program. I also said earlier that any money that comes in will give 10% outside the walls of the church, which means since people have already given, we're already starting to look for areas to give. When I was in uh, Uganda, Uh, In December, uh, we're helping a school down there, and one of the challenges they had at the school was their bathrooms were completely full. I won't tell you what they were full of, but they were full, and they were at risk of being shut down because they couldn't pump the septic out, and they needed new bathrooms. And so guess what we're doing? We're building new bathrooms. You, if you've already participated in this program, 10% of what you're giving are helping to build bathrooms for 300 students in Uganda to keep their school open. That's pretty cool. So let's go back to the summary. 70 households given 826,000. So we've got $1.3 million we're hoping to raise, 826,000 has already been pledged, so remaining funds to raise this year is just a little over a half a million dollars. Based on what we're seeing, based on the feedback and the participation to date, we believe this is possible to do. And so to finish up, Pastor Mark's gonna come up and share a little bit more information. Gonna finish up with the idea of why why, why sacrifice for this? Because some of you won't. A lot of us are like, okay, that makes sense. You may have a few questions. You should get those questions answered. Why sacrifice? Here's, I think, a fairly rational, these are rational reasons why, like my wife and I, we've already been through this process, why our finances in 2024 will look different in 2023 because we're taking a section of it and pushing it toward the building. Why would we choose to do that? So we're going to bounce ahead a couple slides. Why sacrifice? This build has a broad impact. And what I mean by that, this is not just built. We need a classroom so that on Tuesdays, the young adults have a bigger space. Every, I think, every space we're adding on or Uh, renovating is a space that gets used multiple times during the week. I love that because that means we're doing good stewardship. So some ideas about the broad impact. The next classrooms are weekend and weekly opportunities. The next uh, bullet point is the chapel. 
makes room for large classrooms and young adults and events and can serve as an overflow when we get full in here. Next one. The atrium uh, creates needed space for friendships. Very important, especially with the next generation that people have places to hang out. Now that hangout space is not just for the weekends. That's for before and after events on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Uh, like an upcoming student ministries event. Atrium space is important. The last one I just threw in there for fun. Bathrooms help the ladies. Because the whole line thing is happening. Uh, so that's one of the reasons we're, we're sacrificing is this broad impact. It touches multiple things. The other that I want to highlight is it. Uh, this build has long-term potential. And I want to draw your attention to one thing you may have not noticed. Probably you have. We'll put a, a picture of the staff up on the screen. And what I want you to notice is the age of so many of the primary leaders in our church. Because they are young and wonderful. And so from my perspective, what is so exciting to me is that many of the faces up on the screen, because I know a lot of their hearts as well, they may still have a easily a 20-year, 30-year, or even 40-year run in ministry. Will they all stay here? No, probably not. But I think we are set for uh, dozens and dozens of years of ministry to come. That's super important to me. And I think it's something worth noting at our church. A couple scriptures and a couple more points and we'll be done. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. 2 Corinthians 8.13. Context here. This is me putting my pastoral hat on for all of you guys. If, you, if, you, if, I, if I'm your pastor. Uh as you consider a sacrificial gift. Paul is writing, and it, he's writing to a church that's in the context of a giving program. And he says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Well, I believe what he's asking for is for kind of a unity in sacrifice so that a few people don't have to sacrifice their tail off. Does that make sense? If, what's another, uh, like, you know, many hands make light work. If we all lean in and make significant sacrifice, no one will have to lean in and hurt themselves giving financially and giving money away. If we can go back to the chart of giving... Just some advice on this. <laughs> I just have some jokes coming to my mind. It's probably not time for them, is it? No. No, it's not. I can't. No. I can't. No, the Lord is telling me, shut up, Mark. Just keep going. It'll be fine. All right. Uh, so, but re realistically, right, 
we're not, many of us, we're not doing like the 150, like, <laughs> we ain't doing But here's what I would challenge you as a brother or sister in Christ. Don't start at the bottom. Because we're using the term sacrifice. Don't start at the bottom. We recognize, you know, start at the top and you might work your way down quickly. Don't start at the bottom. If you're going to offer God something, this is a general principle as a follower of Jesus. Don't begin processes like this with, well, what's the easiest thing I could do for the Lord? You won't get to all the places God wants you to be if that's your first. So start up and then, but here's what I would say, then work through that with the Lord, decide what could I do realistically in 2024, make it a sacrifice, don't hurt yourself, don't go, well, I'm just going to step out and give all my money away, whoa, no, we have other responsibilities as well, okay, walk through it like that, and we'll get there. Um, final things, next steps. If you have any questions at all about the project or the blueprint or the financial side, we're getting great questions after. Just go to the chapel right after church. I'll be in there. Steve will be in there. We'll, we can talk about any part of the past process, what we plan, all right? Any questions, just pop on in there. Uh, second thing, pray. Don't decide the day your pledge. I would encourage you, don't decide the day. Take some time consider it. Uh, and then finally, after the next few days, couple weeks, uh, then uh, decide. And when you decide, there are cards by the offering boxes. It's a commitment card. It'll come up on the screen. Last thing, remember, God willing, I want to highlight that. This is not a covenant. This is a pledge. Okay, this is different. This is not a covenant. If you decide, I can probably give an extra $3,500 this year. And then your finances, something tanks, we're not going to chase you down and go, you said you, does that make sense? This is God willing. Uh, I or we will give an extra, I should highlight that. This is beyond regular giving. If you just shift your general fund giving to this, that really doesn't help us because we also have to pay the regular uh, bills. Does that make sense? So don't just shift giving. Uh, we'll give an extra, decide the amount to make adequate room for present ministries of the Vineyard Church and expand God's future ministry into the next generations. Put your name and information on that. You can just put those in any of the next-gen boxes around the church. Got it? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.